0: Is the radio business dead? Scott Kaplan would argue that audio storytelling is not only not dead, but it's very much alive for those that are ready to embrace digital change. In July of 2017, Myself and Derek Marceau sat down with Scott Kaplan at the Mighty 1090 Sports Station and asked him on our podcast, is radio dying? When will radio change? When will ad execs start addressing digital content and start selling digital content to brands that want to have an active voice on the internet? Scott answered the question back in 2017. This week's episode, we got to dig much deeper into the demise of the Mighty 1090, as well as how they've gone all-in on digital storytelling. And remember, if we can't tag you online, we can't pimp you online. Welcome to Digital Hospitality. I am Sean Walcheff, and this is a Cali BBQ Media production. We are here at the new Scott and BR Studios with my man, Scott Kaplan, the voice of the former Mighty 1090. Mm -hmm. But what we're going to get into today is where the world of radio and audio is going. Mm. Uh, We started this podcast, you know, it's funny, I was thinking on the drive up here, when did I start listening to Scott Kaplan in San Diego covering sports? And I was coming back from college, um, I believe it was like 2002, 2003, and I remember driving Joey Usunis, one of, uh, he was the best man, one of um, the, uh, one of my best friends from uh, Bishops. We were driving back home and I was asking him just a random question about what kind of music he listened to. He says, I don't listen to music in the car. I said, what are you talking about? Says I listen to sports radio. That's it. Rome Kaplan. That's it. I was like, really? I love sports. Why am I not listening to sports talk radio? <laughs> um, and that was kind of like an oh shit moment for me, and it kind of changed everything because I obviously have a love for the Chargers, love for everything San Diego sports, and um, it was something that just became kind of my one of my rituals. And fast forward, geez, another fifteen years later, um, in the middle of the Chargers bid to try to build a stadium down here um, i had the opportunity to actually go on scott kaplan's show Um, i got to call in and talk about the san diego love letter challenge and that was kind of the beginning of something that i never thought that a barbecue restaurant owner would be here and consider scott as close of a friend as um, i do consider him but welcome to digital hospitality scott was a guest on behind the smoke back in july 28 of 2017 Derek Marceau, my co-host and I, we went to the mighty 1090 studios. Um, it wasn't that depressing in 2017, but it was still depressing. (laughs) Um, honest, honest be told. Uh, we did a podcast right in the middle of the studio and it was, it was crazy because the conversation we were talking about is, well, why the fuck aren't you podcasting, Scott? Um, why aren't, the sales executives, why aren't they selling social assets? Why aren't they coming to Cali comfort and saying, Hey, if Scott does Facebook live, you know, with BR in the parking lot, you can charge this instead of selling radio airtime. And um, that's going to be really the heart of what we're talking about today. Um, First of all, welcome. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me.
1: Yeah. Well, turning the tables, so to speak. Yeah, I like it. I, um, first of all, I'm glad you're here and I really appreciate everything you said. Seriously. Um, I hear that from a lot of people that, you know, they, they got on to Scott and BR and they got on to sports radio in the early part of the 2000s. By this time, you know, Jim Rome had already established himself and, you know, Lee Hacksaw Hamilton was kind of the original voice of sports radio in Southern California. And the industry was was growing back then a lot, you know. And so I hear from young people oftentimes, you know, that they got involved at an early age and they kept with us you know it was part of their lives for the next 16 17 years. So I'm grateful to hear that. Thank you. And then you know you you mentioned um you know us doing a podcast in 17. As soon as you said the date July of 17, I started thinking to myself what was going on in my life back then and I remember so vividly the three of us sitting there podcasting and I was so impressed with the equipment that you had brought, the people that you had brought, the amount of photography and videography that was going on. And I'm like, we're in a media company. We are actually in a company that goes out and sells advertising to people and has a really big profile in Southern California. And all we're selling are radio spots. Something's wrong here. And I, I will tell you, and I've told you this before, um, there are two people I give credit Three people, really, who I give credit for inspiring me to get into podcasting. One was you guys, and I am not bullshitting you in the slightest bit. You guys for sure. Um, Dick Emberg, who before he died was, was interviewing all of his friends and colleagues, amazing stories. I would say to Dick, I'd say, Dick, do you know where to listen to your podcast? Do you know how to listen to your podcast? Will you ever make any money with it? He had no idea, but he loved doing it. And my friend, a very close friend of mine in real life, a guy named Blair Cannon, who years ago was saying to me, you should be listening to this guy, Tim Ferriss. And why are you not podcasting? So between yourself, Dick Emberg, and my friend Blair Cannon, who introduced me to the Tim Ferriss podcast, this was really the inspiration for, you know, thinking outside of just traditional terrestrial broadcast radio.
0: Yeah, it's crazy to think. I mean, what's happened since we had that podcast? I mean, that was the July... 28th, 2017, that was right when the Chargers essentially had moved out and we were dealing with, you know, a, a culture, a, a sports culture mm-hmm. without the NFL yeah. and you were also launching Sighted. Mm-hmm. Tell me about that launch because you do talk about it in that, in that last episode where yeah. you had a conversation kind of, uh, you had actually gone up to Rome recently. Mm-hmm.
1: That's right. Yeah. I'd gone up to Jim Rome in late December of 2016 and I was trying to understand he had a million five Twitter followers or a million two Twitter followers. and I wanted to know how much money does he make from that? Because I kept hearing about like Kim Kardashian and like celebrities who were able to monetize their tweets. Well, if you're Kim Kardashian and you've got 10 million Twitter followers and some hair product wants you to tweet about them, they think and they understand that there's value in that. Back to your point about the radio salespeople, they didn't understand the value in those sorts of things. In fact, I would argue with them all the time. I'd say, we should be putting my Twitter, we should be putting my Facebook, we should be putting my Instagram into sales packages. And it was just always fought with resistance, always. Mostly because people are afraid of what they don't understand is you know what I sure. think. Um, but I started Sighted in 2017, and I'll tell you, Sean, um, like any business owner, <laughs> you know, this thing has taken so many twists and turns, and I really got into it originally. A, a close friend of mine in Pittsburgh, his name is Dr. Stanley Marks. Have you ever seen the story of James Conner, the running back from the Pittsburgh Steelers who battled cancer totally while he was in available. college, right? Incredibly Incredible. inspirational story. My friend, Dr. Stanley Marks, was his doctor, and it's been documented. It's on ESPN and so on. This guy's been a mentor in my life for 30 plus years. He called me one day and said, hey, I've got this other young man who's uh, who comes from this uh, family. You may know them. I did. He said "And he's got this idea for a sports media related app thing. And I don't know anything about it, but he wants me to invest and he knows I've got the money and I really don't want to do it. But, but, you know, just investigate it for me. So the young man, his name is Zack Snyder. He flew out to San Diego. This is in 17 or uh, late 16, early 17, whatever it was. And I was actually November of 16. And I thought, well, you know what? You're a smart guy and this is a great concept. And my, um, my business partner kept saying, well, this is, uh, this is great. We can raise a ton of money for this and we can make some money and we can own some equity in the company. And I'm telling you, before long, my investors, people, angel investors here in San Diego, who would have even been interested in this, they were saying, we don't really know these guys from Pittsburgh. Hmm. And if you really, really want to do this, we believe in you, not in them. So you're going to have to be much more involved. And so at that point, I became the de facto CEO, or at least was headed towards being the CEO of the company. Now, by the way, remember, I'm, I'm on the radio every day, and now I'm going to be the CEO of a startup. And that means I'm going to be out running around. A tech around. startup. Yeah. I'm going to be out running around <laughs> kissing people's asses just trying to raise money at all times. But, right?
0: you are, but you're were, already kissing people's asses, right?
1: Well, I was. <laughs> you professional. I, well, I was. I was kissing people's asses for sales. Yeah. You know? And, um, and so anyway, uh, long story short is is I wind up taking over this company. I wind up raising the first $500,000. And we're now building a, a product. Now, the guy who was in charge of building the product, turns out he and I didn't get along. Um, he had a whole idea of what, of how we should work together. And most of that was don't talk to me. I would say, well, listen, I would just like to catch up and know what's going on. You know, like let's find out, you know, how the build is going. And he would say, um, unless you read these articles and unless you schedule time to talk to me, don't waste my time. And this guy was working for us, Jesus. you know, and it was my friend's money who was in the deal. So finally in June of, about a year later, June of 18, I wound up firing this guy. Um, and we still have a cordial relationship, but I got into this business, not really knowing what I was doing. Of course, um, it's a startup, like
0: every entrepreneur, right?
1: (laughs) It, it, It was a startup with, with half a million dollars, which is a lot of money. I mean, if you tell an entrepreneur, you got half a million bucks, man, they'll figure out how to make it work. Me, I'm a first time CEO in a tech startup and we're building a piece of software. Now I'm getting itchy and I'm getting like annoyed. Like, we got to turn this into a money maker. You know, we're, we're spending a lot of money and the guy who's got the engineering company, he's making money. And, and the guys who are working for us, everybody's being paid, but we're not generating money. And so over the course of time through, very fortunately, I, I have a ton of great advisors and great investors and we have now gotten to a point where from back then, July mm-hmm. of 17, to where we are today, this is now um, October of 19, two years later, we're now literally out on the streets Selling what our service does for broadcast companies, for podcasters. In other words, look, and I'll just try and simplify this for everybody because the story of, of the the how and 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 raising money and all. I mean, these are all interesting things, but ultimately, the product is about monetizing social engagement. Yeah, we are all pumping content to Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. Reddit, Quora, you name it, the platform, we are all pumping content to these platforms. And very few people are actually making money at that. You know? Now, if you're a radio broadcast company, let's go back to the industry that I knew. No. Um, if you're a radio broadcast company and you employ like six or seven or eight different what you'd call content providers, those content providers work for you. They're building their Twitter audience on your airwaves. Let's use a radio station. Sure. And then when they leave your radio station, they go across the street and they've gained 20,000 Twitter followers. What did you, the employer, what did you actually make from them growing their audience or engaging on Twitter? The answer is zero. What we've done is we've built a platform where we say to a radio station in particular, we say to a radio broadcast company, take your content providers who are already creating the content. They're already placing it on Twitter. You're just giving away the engagement, Mm -hmm. have them use Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, radio shows and podcasts, have them use their influence to drive people to our platform sided. And when people are engaging very specifically in the content you want them to engage in, now all of a sudden there are ads there and you're making money. And I literally was on the phone this morning with a a group in Houston, Texas, and we white labeled the product for them. They said, look, we like sided. We just want it to be our product, not your product. So we white-labeled it for them. We gave it to them. They said, okay, what do we do now? I said, here's all you have to do. Here's the keys. It's yours. Okay? It is earning money right now just because we placed Google AdSense on their page. Okay? And I said, and if you take your 10 content providers or your 20 content providers and you go to every article that you guys publish and you say, here, click here to get involved in the conversation, all of a sudden, you're going to have so many more people using the platform than I do because I'm only one person. And if you guys put all of your people, and you can just convert a small percentage of them, every single minute you are earning money. Right now, your content providers are putting content on Twitter. You're not making any money. They're not making any money. But if you have your content providers put their content on Sighted and then promote to their audience to come engage in that content on Sighted, you, the owner of the company... The person who has paid to acquire the user yes. and who has paid to produce the content, you are now producing money rather than just giving it away to Twitter. And by the way, I know this sounds a little self-serving like because it's a business and we're trying to make money, so it sounds a little self-serving. But on the other hand, if you're a user, what do you ever get from Twitter? A lot of anger, a lot of fighting, a lot of people who are cursing at one another, all kinds of things. On our platform. You know, there's a conversation. And by the way, it's side by side. You can see what other people are saying. And it's not like Twitter, where it's coming from all different angles and you're trying to remember who retweeted and who said what. It's very, very organized and it's specific to your content. And ultimately, there's a clock. It ticks down to double zeros. It's a game. Somebody wins, somebody loses, somebody collects points, somebody collects fewer points it is a game in the end. So it's sticky and it's fun for the audience to use as well. And there's a whole social status mentality. When you send out opinions and you climb a leaderboard and you earn points, you know, you, you like that. It feels good. And so we're, uh, we're really excited now, finally, that we've gone from building a piece of software to actually building a business. And, you know, one of my advisors said to me, you've got to stop working on the business, rather, you've gotta stop working in the business, you gotta start working on the business. And it was the kick in the ass that I desperately needed.
0: For sure, and I think, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, as a tech startup, it's always gonna be a race for more users, it's a race for attention.
1: You know what it is, I mean, for me, in my role, I'll tell you what I do every day, man, I am out there hustling, trying to raise money, because it requires money to keep a thing like this going. In fact, today, again, I was on the phone with a potential client, and he said to me, how well financed are you? you guys are going to go out of business in three weeks, six months? I mean, are you guys going to be around? And I said, I assure you, and as vaguely as I could say this, <laughs> I said, I assure you we're, we're well-financed, you know, and that's kind of, that's sort of bullshit, <laughs> well, <laughs> you know? I mean, we have money in the bank and we have runway and I've got investors who have committed, hey, we're going to put more money in. But as you know, you know, somebody saying they're going to put money in, yeah. and somebody writing a check Completely or somebody different. wiring money. Completely different. And I'm t- I can't tell you how I have to, I literally do, I chase people around and, it's it's uncomfortable because they know I'm chasing them. I know I'm chasing them. And the hardest thing I find to say is I need you to write a check. Yeah. You you said you were gonna write a check. I need you to write the check. And I don't know how it is for for venture capitalists. I don't know how it is for people who've raised millions and millions of dollars. Maybe you just need to say that. Yeah. Because I find myself, you know, kind of whimpering around like, you know, we need more money.
0: But I think, I mean, I think back to what you're talking about is you put yourself in an uncomfortable position. You're not naturally in sales and you were out doing things, asking for capital, asking for people to write checks, which allowed you to grow, not just cited, but also the business that you're in now, which is creating a new digital streaming media company, which is something that you've always dreamed about. Mm -hmm. But until you were forced into this position, you hadn't actually done
1: you know, we're, we're here today in this, this studio that we've built, and I say studio, I'll be honest with you, it's, um, it's a den, nice size den, but it's a, it's a den inside my house. But and, isn't that the power? Yeah. Like oh, no, that? I mean, that,
0: that's the power of the world that we live in. I love it. as you're publishing onto the internet, onto multiple platforms
1: from a den. Dude, it's unbelievable. I, my son, this, this was a bedroom about four weeks ago. My son lived in here. His bed was in one corner. He had couches in here. His buddies were in here, you know, college kids drinking beer and playing video games. And they left to go to college. And I cleared everything out. And I built this now, this studio specifically for podcasting. And um, it was always video podcasting. Dream. Video podcasting. So audio I mean, podcasting. I think that's
0: something that you know. I mean, especially for us, for behind the smoke, when we first started, it was all in on audio, Mm -hmm. which we're still all in on audio, Mm -hmm. and audio is so vital to what we're doing. Um, But like I was telling you before the shows, we had Kyle Whistle, my real estate agent come in and bring a Mevo camera because he has a huge video background was producing all kinds of incredible East County eats videos and he brought it into the behind-the-smoke studio and all of a sudden we had video content yeah. for stuff that we were already creating so it, know, it was mind-chained it was blow,
1: we were blown away you're so right um, when 1090 went off the radio now just imagine look you go to a radio station every day They've got microphones and headphones and televisions that you're watching, and you're broadcasting over the radio. And by the way, um, after 16 or 18 years in working for an independent radio broadcast company, I was making some really good money, as were my colleagues, at least the on-air guys. were are making some really good money. And we were, and I think everybody would agree, and I'm embarrassed to admit it, but we were comfortable. You know, We showed up at the same place. We did the same thing. We collected our paychecks. And we were comfortable. I was arguing the whole time because I've got this terrible disease. (laughs) I, I, I have a terrible disease. It's called ambition. Okay. And I argued every single day that when you create a sales package, it's radio, it's the website, it's the app, it's it's. Scott's Twitter with 17,000 followers and Scott and BR's Twitter with 14,000 followers and Scott and BR's Facebook page with 5,000 or 10,000 friends or whatever it is, Instagram following. I said, and when you aggregate all of these numbers with all of these people, now you have some impressive numbers. Sure. And you have variety. I would go to Saquon Casino. This is a local sponsor. And... They would ask me, they would they would call me and they say, "Hey, listen, um we're going to open up our new hotel. We have some demos of some rooms. Would you please come out? We want to show you the rooms." Why? Why do you want to show me the room? Say, Well, you're our spokesperson. Okay, that stands to reason. But we want you. <laughs> but we want you to bring your phone and we want you to bring your video camera because what we really want you to do is we want you to videotape in the rooms in the models. Correct. And we want you to put it out on Instagram. We want you to put it out on Twitter. So an I, influencer campaign, right? So I, go I mean, to original my, influencers is personalities on TV and radio
0: and in the like and in paper. Like right. Original. The original influencers bef- before before the Kardashians.
1: The analog influencers. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> analog. Influencers. Right. And so. so so I go out to Sequan Casino and I go out and I shoot all these videos, right? And um, I'm not really planning on putting them anywhere other than just showing them that I did it and I'm their radio spokesperson and I want them to continue to pay me every month and I want them to continue to pay the radio station every month. But what you're paying for is radio. I ask the salespeople specifically, put in my social media. I'm willing to sell my social media. Not because I'm a complete sellout and I'm doing everything I can for money. It's because I understand that much of my audience is no longer just on the radio. They're over here. And here's the other thing I, I realized. Well, that's what the sponsor wants. The sponsor wants The sponsor wants um, for us to come out there and do social media. Yes. And they expect it for free because we're their radio spokespeople. So they expect us to put our social media assets on the line for them at no additional charge. And I would say to the salespeople, you have to upsell. Yes. If you go to a restaurant, you go into Cali Comfort and you say, I would like, I would like wings. Okay. Would you like fries with that? Yes. No, no fries. Would you like potato salad with that? How about a beer? Would you like a beer with that? No beer? How about a wine? I mean, you should constantly be trying to upsell somebody. One question. Would you like to supersize it? There you go. Change billions of dollars, changed
0: hands, by McDonald's training their staff to ask one question. Yeah. Would you like to supersize that? Yeah. Of course I want to supersize that. Naturally. Or or not. Of course. You Give want me the a bigger big, fries. Do you, want a, do you want a small beer or do you want a big beer? Right.
1: And that I was trying to instill that sort of attitude amongst radio salespeople. And many of them didn't want to embrace it but it wasn't the sales guys it was the sales management
0: a lot of but the structure was broken don't you think i mean now looking back on the time that you spent trying to revive the station and learning the finances behind mighty 1090 and acquiring the signal just the whole model is it was a broken model
1: well you know it's interesting you say that because you and i are both fans of gary v of course huge and you know I was I saw Gary V speak a week ago from where we are today. This is down in Dallas at a convention called the National Association of Broadcasters. Why would they bring Gary V and pay Gary V to a broadcaster? Convention? I mean, we're talking
0: hundreds of thousands, if not. I mean, they, yeah. they paid him significantly.
1: Oh, I would say he probably got paid, you know, six figures, yeah. you know, to be in Dallas. Yeah. And he's in and out, by the way. This talk starts at 730, man. I got things to do. I'm out of here. By the way, he'll publish that
0: speech as a podcast on his feed.
1: 100%. So why would the, why would the broadcasters, particularly the radio broadcasters, invite a guy like Gary to come down? And it's, it's to me, it's one reason. It's, it's what he said, and it really resonated with me, is, you know, we all thought we needed a radio transmitter. Some of us still do. I'm not opposed to going back on terrestrial radio. I'm not at all. I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a lover of, of audio. Mm-hmm. I have been my whole life. When I was a little kid, I would fall asleep to talk radio. I love the medium. But the thing is, the radio transmitter transmits through the radio. What is the radio? The radio is a piece of hardware. That's how you got the audio delivered to you through the radio. Now, and this is what we're all learning Some of us are ahead of the game, and some of us are trying to catch up. I would put myself in the trying to catch up category. I would put
0: you in the other category. (laughs) You going, you going to that conference? And I mean, I've heard you on your show, um, you know, the streaming on YouTube, and I've watched you talk about this conference, this conference for national broadcasters. I mean, you've been a personality, and you've never been. Never been. Like this Uh, happens every year. Some people are spending money, you know, a lot of money to go down to this conference to learn things. First of all I was just I was impressed beyond belief that they actually had Gary Vee come talk. I know me too cuz I didn't think that they were there yet. But my question is what actually happened at that conference besides Gary Vee? Well- cuz Gary Vee's I think he's an outlier. Well I here, think he's part of the 1%. Yes. And the other ninety-nine percent might go, Oh, that yet yeah, what he says kind of makes sense, but we're gonna go back to pretending the earth is flat.
1: Well, he started at the beginning by saying, Most of you probably don't know who I am. Yeah. And I would tell you that I looked around the room and there were very I thought I thought I was one of the younger people in the room. So if you were older than me, you probably didn't know who Gary V was. Okay, no big deal. He introduced himself, he told you a little bit about himself, and he kind of explained why he was there and, and what he does. But the one takeaway I took is Particularly from what Gary talked about that morning was, you know, here we all thought we needed a radio transmitter and we thought we needed to be on the radio. Now, depending on how you believe, but YouTube can be your radio transmitter. Yep. Facebook can be your radio transmitter. Twitter can be your radio transmitter. tune in, the TuneIn app can be your radio transmitter. Or maybe if you don't need to broadcast live, maybe Apple Podcast or Stitcher or Google Play or Spotify, whatever the case may be there are distribution outlets. And what I took away from this conference was, you know, everybody in radio has given up on the word radio. They've all transitioned to the word audio. And then they say, well, then you take the audio and you determine as the customer, how do you want to receive the audio? I get in my car, I turn on my radio. I get in my car, I plug in my phone. I like Apple Podcasts. I like Spotify. The point is, there's a million different ways to get the same thing. And we used to think... Those of us in radio and in traditional media, we used to think the only way to get it was turn on the radio, turn on the TV. Yep. Now, I mean, yes, I've got a television on the wall, but the television isn't really a television; it's a monitor, and that monitor streams shit. Yes, it streams Netflix, and it streams. Uh, you know, I'm watching a show called the the marvelous Mrs. Maisel on on Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime. Yeah. That's on your. It's not a television. It's a it's a monitor, and the monitor is Wi-Fi, and the smart stuff inside of there allows you to stream things that aren't Channel 4 or Channel 6 or NBC or ABC. And so you may think you need to turn on the radio to get to Radio Station X, but you probably can also get to Radio Station X by your phone. Yes. And chances are... you should be able to. Well, right, you should be able to. (laughs) And if you can, I assure you this, the audio quality will be a whole lot better. Correct. So... um, it is interesting how, you know, I, I say this a lot, you know, desperation has created or has spurned innovation. You know, here we are one day, we're on the radio. The next day, we're off the radio. The day we went off the radio- And this and they, is
0: the strongest Mighty 1090, I mean, the whole time that I've listened, two decades, this is the strongest lineup Mighty 1090 has ever had.
1: And, and starting to climb out of the hole that was created- by the loss of the Chargers. You know, the Chargers leave San Diego and that was a huge hole in the world of sports. And and a lot of listeners kind of got turned off to sports and they got turned off to stadium talk, et cetera. And they went away for a while. Well, we were digging out of that hole finally. And we had a very good lineup, a very strong lineup. And the ratings had, had come back. But the, the, you said it earlier, the structure was broken. It's okay? a broken structure. Here's the thing. YouTube is free. Yes. Okay. Uh, Facebook Live is free. Apple Podcasts. It's all free. It's all, if you want to, well, when I was a kid, if I wanted to be a TV star, I had to go get a job in TV. You know what I mean? If I wanted to be on the news and broadcasting, I had to go get a job. Now, all I need is a camera and a YouTube channel. You don't don't even need that. You just need your smartphone. Right. I can do this all on my own now. And so the structure was broken. When you, when you consider um, renting a radio transmitter from a company south of the border, um, and you are going to pay them what 1090 was paying them, which was $75,000 a month to rent the that's transmitter, insane. 75 grand. That's w- not even rent, right? It, that's it, just the lease. $75,000 a month just to use the transmitter, which doesn't go worldwide, which the
0: internet does. Well,
1: that's just it. You know, it, like is, you're
0: like, you talk about the signal strength, which has always been something amazing. Yes. It's this huge 50,000 watt signal, which yes, was amazing
1: for local radio and you could hear it clear as day. But it's not going all over the world Uh, you know it's so funny you say that because i have an investor it, who was a monster 1090 fan and was a huge scott and br fan and i said to him you know you can still listen to us every day at three o'clock only now it's better because we're on live it sounds a whole lot better and there are no commercials so i'm i'm finding sean that my average engagement on on youtube lasts for 19 minutes That's a long time to get somebody to give you. 19 minutes is a long time. In radio, we would go crazy if we could get five minutes. Sure. 19 minutes. I mean, but these are the statistics and these are the metrics that we now get from YouTube that radio has never been able to.
0: It's there. Your YouTube channel, all the shows that you started doing, they all have 10,000 views. They're all catalogs. They might might start out at 2,000, but now they've all been. And if something happens, if there's an event and you had some guest on the show, that content is there and it's searchable. I mean, if it's not searchable, like once it was on radio, if I was lucky enough to get, you know, be able to, you know, Alex called me and was like, hey, you know, Scott wants to talk to you about the chargers. And I go on air, it would go into the air and it would be gone unless it was cut, which, you know, you guys have to cut so much. You're on air for four hours, like the chances that it gets cut. So like for me as a small business owner, now it's gone. Yeah. The same thing if I go to KUSI or Channel 8, I would go. We do an incredible segment, five minutes, you know, promote our barbecue then what, what happens to it? If we're lucky, it goes on to their website and then we can link to it from our website. But what I learned was that, Oh, there's actually a company where I can buy the native file so I can actually get the video myself and publish it on our YouTube page. Now I have it forever. So now somebody goes to go, Oh, well, do you do catering? Well, yeah, we do look at our special. We did at Fox five mm-hmm. and then we have the whole spread. So it, I have
1: that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It, it's, um, it, it really is, uh as you're talking about all of this, it, it's just such a fascinating time in media and, and everybody's in media. Yeah. And again, I, I mean,
0: barbecue guys coming up here, Cali Bar- literally, we literally just launched our new website, CaliBBQ.media, because we know that our industry is changing, restaurant industry is changing. And if we don't go mobile first with ordering barbecue online and optimizing that experience and doing things like podcasts, creating content, creating relationships, it's going to look bleak for restaurants. And that's the same for radio, just the same for, you know, whatever business you're in. If you don't care about your website and if it's not optimized for mobile, if you're not selling stuff online, there's a problem. Mm-hmm. You know, Dave Palais, who's uh, sports radio in San Diego, you've been on the Dave and Jeff sure. podcast. They were a huge inspiration for why we started our podcast, because they went from being sports radio to doing something where there was no FCC. They could just start cussing. And it was so much more compelling that they oh, yeah. didn't have to just talk about the Chargers leaving. Mm-hmm. They started talking about divorce. They started talking about depression. They started talking about suicide. And you know, we've become great friends both with Jeff and with Dave. But Dave, specifically, recently, he was talking about buying a car. And I told him there's this app called True Car, uh, True car App, mm-hmm. where instead of going to a car lot, You go on this app and you find exactly the kind of car that you want to purchase, the color, the make, the year, the model. And then they send that to all the dealerships and they bid on you, the customer. Hmm. He used the app. He said it was absolutely incredible. So he got the car he wanted. But when he walked in, the manager and the salespeople, they all treated him like shit because he was an online customer. Uh, Their model is broken. uh Uh-huh their model's broken because uh-huh. they care about the commission that they make off the person that comes in. Yeah. But the whole reason True Car
1: was created was because we don't want that friction, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, that is, that is really interesting. Um, it, it is. What I find most interesting about that is, is just the way somebody would be treated because they did it online and therefore the commission rate might be less. To me, I would look at it differently. I would say, well, that's found money. Correct. Anything, any, anybody who well, comes it's to even me better,
0: it's cert, it's searchable found money. So if you can learn how to hack that, you're going to have a leg up on all the other competition, right? You shouldn't be discriminated because of that lower margin, mm-hmm. you know, just like a restaurant owner, we have to decide between, are we going to be on DoorDash? Are we going to be on Uber eats? And we have to pay a commission to do that. But that customer can't get treated any worse than somebody that orders through our website that we don't pay that big commission to. Like They're going to get the best barbecue possible, whether you're in the restaurant, whether you buy it online, whether you get it for delivery. But a lot of people aren't operating like that. And like that's essentially the heart of where we are in this world in 2019, which is why I'm so fired up to have conversations like this with you and with other business owners, because this shit is fucking like everyone's in media. That's how yeah, we started. Like, I know right? it's true. Why is a barbecue guy coming into your your new studios? Yeah, I brought barbecue, of course, but I'm coming in because I want to have this conversation yeah. with somebody that's gone through it.
1: Well, and I'm still going through it. You know, um, again, you, you know, this is so uh, back to what you were saying. You know, we got knocked off the air the 1090 in early April. I think it was April 10th. Mm-hmm. On April 11th, they told us, because there was no, there was no leadership. You know, there was no accountability the, zero. Right, the, the president of the company, rather than coming to everybody and just kind of explaining, you know, the real facts of what was going on, you know, he was cowering in his in his cave like freaking Osama bin Laden. I mean, this guy didn't want to come out of this cave, you know, and and he was embarrassed, and rightly so because he never really told the company the dire circumstances that we were in. He maybe said a few things, but again, not great leadership. Um, and so the day that after we got knocked off the air, they said, we'll come back in and you'll stream. We'll, we'll, we'll go on our our app, which by the way, of course, naturally anybody who wanted that content went, well, they're not on the radio anymore, but I still want to hear what's going on. And now I'm really interested in what's going on. Let me go to their app. So more and more people started to download the app and started to use more than ever the digital stream more than ever. But my because thought pe- people are always going to go to content right, storytelling, right? I mean, this is not this isn't radios dead storytelling is alive. Yes, it's always been so. alive very much So and and I just remember thinking to myself, okay, so they've taken us off the radio we're only on the 1090 app now. How do we reach more people? So you mentioned a camera called a Mevo? Yes, um, and we set up a Mivo camera in our studio one camera and We just started to let people see what was going on inside the studio and we put it out on YouTube. And then by the end of the month, by the way, I'm thinking to myself, why have I not been doing anything with YouTube? I at the time I may have had a hundred subscribers. Mm-hmm. I and by I'll tell you I had a ton of content on, on YouTube already. I didn't use it, I didn't promote it, I didn't push it, I didn't share it. I never used my YouTube content. And I got a ton of it on YouTube. Stuff I've saved for years. Like I have um, old television shows that I produced when Drew Brees was a young kid quarterback awesome. with the Chargers, and we would do a bit every week on radio called Breakfast with Breeze. This is, how, <laughs> this is, how, this is how, um, how really simple we were. We would say to Drew, Billy Ray and I will be in the radio studio. You be on the phone. I will send a camera guy to your place wherever you are every week. He'll videotape you on the phone. So we're going to get the phone interview on radio but then we're going to get the TV portion of it for later in the week. So we had one camera shooting me and Billy Ray in the studio and one camera with Drew. Well, you know, Drew Brees has gone on to become a Super Bowl champion, an international sporting icon, somebody who's become ultra rich and ultra famous. I have TV shows and content that I own from probably 2004 five, where Drew Brees is a young kid quarterback in the NFL, unbelievable. And why am I not constantly pushing this content so that my YouTube views on them, instead of being at a thousand, should be at ten thousand? I should be saying to Drew Brees fans, I should be saying yeah. to New Orleans Saints fans, come check out all this killer content that we have. And I never did it. So now all but of a sudden, but you weren't
0: forced to do it. You correct. know, it's like as humans, we we do what's comfortable. You know, we That's we live life as it's comfortable. And like you were forced. Your team, Alex Padilla, John Browner, you know Linda Welby, Billy Ray, like you guys were forced into shock, like what do we do? How do we keep the story going right and like one of the things I have to tip my hat to you is you continued even though you knew that you signed legal documents not to say things you wanted the story to continue no matter what and you went on twitter and you went on facebook and you went on instagram and like you wanted to continue carrying the message because that was important you know i had a conversation with browner god it had to have been maybe a year after we did the podcast together and that was you know you've, you've been the only one that recognizes the talent in browner you know and when you saw that him and i we became friends and i said dude you're literally on the titanic this fucking ship is sinking. Mm-hmm. Like, you need to stay on this ship and learn as much as you can and document as much as you can because you're going to have a leg up. You're going to have a leg up from all the other radio stations that don't think that this digital world is happening. We all know it's happening. Where's mm-hmm. the
1: attention? Yeah. You have kids? Yeah. I mean, I, honestly, I have. I have in my house. I don't know how many televisions there are, but. Nobody uses them except me. I, I think to myself all the time, why do I still have DirecTV? Why do I yes. even have it? I mean, I'm watching shows on Amazon Prime. I'm watching shows on Netflix. What is it I really, really need from a television? And even if I wanted NFL football games, I mean, there's apps and there's all I kinds mean, stream, of other ways.
0: When, when we were moving, I was streaming all the NFL on Yahoo. Yeah. so I, you That's don't, the only time I've been on Yahoo, so kudos for them yeah. for
1: buying those streaming rights because mm-hmm. now all of a sudden I'm on their app. Absolutely. I mean, it, it, so here's the thing. So these two younger guys... Alex Padilla, my longtime producer, who started with us as an intern when he was still at San Diego State, and John Browner. And thank you for saying that I'm the only one who recognizes talent. Look, I, I, I knew what was going on at 1090. You got a bunch of white guys on the air. You know, <laughs> get, I mean, let, let's let's find a little spice, a little color, a little cred. You know, and John is a six foot seven inch former high school basketball star and played college basketball. He's a black guy from the south side of Chicago. He's funny as all can be. And, and he just needed somebody to give him a chance to put a microphone in his face and let him be natural. And, and I wanted to cultivate that talent. But what's really fascinating about what you're saying is this. So look, we get knocked off the air. We start to stream just on the app. We, we start streaming a little bit on YouTube. We actually are kicked out of the building on May 1st. By the way, they owed me quite a bit of money. They paid me 10%. I said to my lawyer, I go, dude, I'm going to sue them. He said, well, you can sue them. But what's going to happen is you're going to win But you'll spend a ton of money to not get any back. So I took the severance package, which was 10%. And I said, well, what am I going to do now? Well, the assumption was that some radio station in San Diego is going to want me. Look at my ratings. Look at my sales. Look at my history. And they told me, we want you immediately. And then I said, "Okay, I'm ready. And they went, yeah, we're kind of don't want to pay that kind of money. Okay, well, let's talk about that. No, nah, our company, our parent company, actually wants you down in Houston at another radio station. Bigger market, uh, has an NFL football team, really needs to be revived. You're going to be the Tom Brady of this new radio station. Or not, not new, but of the existing radio station. And what they were trying—that was the pitch,
0: the Tom Brady pitch.
1: Do you? Well, yeah, it was. It was going to. You're going to be. Our, <laughs> you're going to be our star. And listen, I went down there and I met with with Bill Belichick uh, of there. And this guy was great. I mean, I love this the team. I love the whole thing. Were they digital first? They were not digital first. And so this is this is kind of a part part of my issue. So for me, I've been trying to figure this out. When we left 1090 and we were kicked out, my friends at Callaway Golf in Carlsbad said, "Hey, we you know we've got a bomb studio. Come use it." So wait, wait, don't. Don't go past that, okay? Because we're talking about
0: Callaway Golf. Yes, a golf company has their own media studios that were nicer than the ones at Mighty Ten Ninety. Dude, not just nice. How fucking amazing is that? Dude, they have like that. That's the kind of companies that are going to win,
1: right? And they are winning. Callaway has ESPN caliber facilities. They have the lighting. They have the cameras. They have the studios. They have the computers. They have it all. They have a. ESPN caliber facility. And by the way, I I don't say it like that to be cavalier. They hired people from ESPN to come be their producers, you know, to come build these places. So, um, they gave us their studio and they told us, go ahead and use it. Now, mind you, Alex Padilla, my producer and a friend, um, is in his early thirties. And he's saying to me in May and June of, of this year, he's and we're in October. He's saying to me, dude, we can create a business based on the show, just on digital. And I'm saying, okay, hold that thought, because I actually want to get 1090 back on the air. And the reason I wanted to get 1090 back on the air was because I hated the way we got knocked off. I felt terrible for all the people that worked there. I wanted to get them their jobs back, and I wanted to do things the way they should have been done in the first place. And so that was my goal. Um, Alex, on the other hand, was saying, we don't need the radio transmitter. We don't need all the headaches that come with 30 or 40 employees. We don't need health insurance for an entire company. We don't, Scott, we don't need all of that. So ultimately, when the deal fell through, we decided, well, we're going to build our own studio. We're going to keep our show going because going up to Callaway was very inconvenient because it took forever to get off the air, produce the podcast version uh, cut videos so we can repurpose them, et cetera. We didn't have the facilities and the workspace there. So we said, we got to build our own studio. So once the 1090 deal died, we, just, we, we were committed to this. At one point, Alex says to me, listen, dude, and this is the second time he'd said it, early in the, in, since we'd gotten fired, this is probably early June. He said to me, he said, listen, if you for your family need to go take this job in Houston, Texas, we'll all survive go take the job, man. No one's going to blame you, you know? And I said, thanks, Alex, but I'm a team guy and we're a team and we're going to all work together. We're going to figure this out together. So, um, ultimately, you know, he kept driving home that we needed to be just a digital broadcast. And so, um, he said to me, this is probably a month ago as we're getting ready to set all this stuff up and we're really making our commitment and we're going out, and we're starting to sell now. And, um, he said to me, Dude, if you feel like I'm pushing you into this, if you think that, you know, maybe you don't really want to do this, but you're doing it for me, he goes, don't, I'll go get a job, I'll survive, Browner will go get a job, he'll survive, don't do this just for us, and I said, I'm not doing it just for you, I'm doing it for all of us, you know, I'm doing doing it for me too. Um, I'm having a great time. I'm having more fun now broadcasting this show with no restrictions on content, on language, on length of time, et cetera. I'm having more fun now than ever before. So I want to do this. How's the learning curve changed? Well, a lot's changed. Right. I mean, so much has changed. Because, again, he kept saying to me, we can do this, we can do this. And I just wasn't necessarily positive. Well, you
0: also had probably a majority, I would, I say. I say a majority of people that, You would have normal conversations with saying, when are you going to get back on radio? Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. Everybody says that to me. In fact, um, not only does everybody say that to me, um, but I'll tell you that right now there's a lot of radio companies around San Diego that are finally saying to themselves, "Okay, the dust has settled. You know, the, the dust has settled and, you know. My one colleague, Darren Smith, went to AM 1360, and the guys who were hosting our morning show, they went over to a different radio station. And so um, people are saying to me, what, when are you going to get back on radio? And I'll tell you, Sean, honestly, I'm taking meetings. Mm-hmm. I met with a radio company. I swear to you, this is yesterday morning. And I met with two executives from this radio company, and we had a very candid conversation. From their side, it was, we want you to be on the radio. And from my side, it was, will you have an issue with me wanting to continue to broadcast on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook in particular? And they said, I was happy to hear this. They said, "Um, we, we actually don't have others doing that right now, and we would like for you to come and continue it on so that we can actually get everybody else doing it too. See my point is is mean, that, that like for me
0: from the outside I think that it's not hiring you back on air, it's hiring you in all these 15,000 radio stations to come and teach people what the fuck is going on. You have first-hand experience on this Titanic ship. And now launching into digital, you've already seen the change. Yeah. And it's not only that, but it's the revenue side, too, because it's it's the partnership that you have with sponsors. Great, longtime sponsors of your show. You're also
1: helping bring them into the digital age. There, there's no question. And, and just back to this conversation from yesterday with these radio executives, that's exactly the point. I'm saying, so, okay, look, right now you're out selling radio, okay? But if we bring to you the assets that we currently have, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter in particular, where we have an established audience. By the way, um, some people go, well, I don't see you or I don't hear you. Therefore, I don't really think you're on. Okay, well, here are the numbers, not here are the Nielsen ratings that we think. Correct. These I can tell you. How many downloads I get in San Diego, how many in L.A., how many in Riverside, how many in Chula Vista, how many from other parts of the country and other parts of the world. I can tell you specifically the, the um, age demographics of breaking down men from this age to this age to this age. I can give you so much more hardcore data than ever before. The
0: digital analytics are unbelievable. Incredible. Ex- ex- explain to those who don't know. The Arbitron ratings. Okay, really quick. So how the whole radio business model is set up.
1: Okay, Back to broken models. Really, really quickly, for those that don't understand this, here's what happens. There are, call it 2 million people in San Diego, as an example, okay? Or call it 12 million people in LA. Or maybe you would call it 15 million people in New York City. So here's what happens. Um, There are about 1,500 people in San Diego, say 2 million people, 12 years and over, who are all potential radio ratings getters. Um, of the 2 million people, 1,200, 1,200 are walking around with an old-school beeper, like an old-school doctor's beeper. And what happens is— I mean, how is this is, still happening? I know. It's and fucking nuts. It's incredible. And, and the beeper connects to the, the speaker, um, and if, if you listen for five minutes or more, then the radio station gets credit. So imagine this. Imagine you're walking into a mall. You've got one of these beepers on. You walk into a store— the radio is on in the background you're not even listening to it but a radio is on not satellite radio but an actual terrestrial radio the radio signal comes from the speaker it goes to the what's called the people meter they do they they connect with one another you were not even listening to that radio station and the radio station gets credit because you were wearing the meter and it was on and they connected and think about it 1200 people make up for Two million people. So when you're looking for men between the ages of 25 and 54, and let's say, Sean, that you're carrying one of these people meters and you tell them, this is bullshit. I hate this. This is a pain in my ass here. Take it back. And they get it back from you. Okay. They give it to some other person. Well, let's say he doesn't listen to our radio station. He listens to some other radio station. We just lost you. We lost him. We lost the ratings. Or maybe he doesn't listen to radio. At all. Well, I mean, he probably wouldn't sign up to take the uh, the, the meter, <laughs> but I guess the bottom. Do they get line, paid? Yeah, a little bit. They get paid. Not enough to make you do it, though. I mean, but like
0: twelve hundred people. I mean, twelve hundred people. Yeah. out of all of San Diego. Right. And you're talking about how many sales decks are built off of these fucking ratings?
1: Oh yeah. Every dude, sales deck. Everything. Everything, everything is, you talked about right. before. But this is what I'm saying. So, so I'm talking to a, a radio company here in San Diego yesterday, and I'm saying to them, look. If you're going to tell me that you only want to hire me to come do radio and I can't continue YouTube and I can't continue all these digital video platforms in addition to the audio. If you're going to tell me I have to kill all these things just to come get a job, that doesn't sound so great to me because um, I feel like you have to now sell. Again, let's go back to radio broadcast companies just because that's what I've done and what I know. If you're a radio broadcast company and your on-air talent is making, call it, $100,000 and all they have to do is talk on the microphone, well, how else are you going to monetize the investment you're making in the on-air talent? Well, today they better podcast and they better you know pump content on other platforms. And really, as a sales staff, you would probably want to sell to your clientele, go back to Sequoia Casino, they want me to bring my camera and they want me to show videos, right? Well, sell that to them. Hey, you're going to buy radio and commercials you're going to buy. We're going to also be doing a live stream on YouTube. We're going to put your lower third graphic or we're going to put your graphic up on the screen um, and we're going to have X number of listeners over here on radio. That's what Arbitron says or Nielsen ratings say. But over here on YouTube, we've got I'm just making up a number. We've got 5000 daily viewers on YouTube. And that's just the live broadcast. Well, guess what? There's tremendous value. Those are very engaged people. So put up logos, sell that stuff. Here's another thing. Um, Scott's got a Twitter handle and he's really active on it. Well, show Scott standing at the car dealership saying, hey, you know, come in this weekend because they're selling these things at, you know, $10 off. I mean, I'm just making stuff up, but the point is... Or go on our website and buy the car and come and pick it up. the, The point is, is that we... If, if you're a broadcast company in today's day and age, and you're going to pay somebody to be a content creator, and that content creator is going to create content on platforms that you don't own, you should try and monetize those yes. as best you can. And so if if I'm a radio sales guy, and my morning guy has 50,000 Twitter followers, and I can get my morning guy to tweet, hey, um, here's our uh, the, the new rooms at Saquon Casino, well, there's value in that. That's why the client wanted it sell them yes. that stuff. And so you talk about a broken system. I completely agree, which is why when people ask me, when are you getting back on the radio? You know what I tell people? I go, I'm on every day. Yeah. All you have to do is go to my website, scottandbr.com. I'm going to give you my YouTube channel. Click it. I'm going to give you my Facebook page. Click it. I'm going to give you my Twitter. Click it. We're on every day at three o'clock, every single day, just the way you've always expected it. And when we get off, call it 445 because we don't use commercials. By 5 p.m., it's available on Apple play on Apple's podcast platform and Stitcher and Spotify and Google play and everything else. So that if you just got in your car and you plugged in your phone or you Bluetoothed your phone for you, there's no difference as long as you're willing to use your phone rather than the radio. Now look, some older people just refuse to change. Sure. You know, but I find to your point that if people love your content, they'll come find it yes. and they'll do what they need to do to, to listen to it.
0: I mean it's it's just it's crazy the world that we live in. I mean, we talked about, you know, how I fell in love with sports radio was back when I was in college. That was when Napster came out. Mm-hmm. I mean, the internet's creating all these internet oh shit moments where I mean I was I couldn't believe it. I was sitting in the dorm room in in Boulder and you know, Garrett, my my roommate and one of my closest friends, we're we're sitting there, we put Dr. Dre in, and all of a sudden every single song that Dr. Dre's ever and it we just download it and it's there. It was it was just it's mind blowing what happens. Fast forward to 2007, that's when the first iPhone came out. I mean, that's not that long ago, but look at how much has changed. Now that people have smartphones, people are literally walking in every single day into our restaurant with a computer, right? If they're walking in with a computer, what kind of power do they have? Well, they have a power to say, hey, Siri, you know, tell me where I can listen to sports radio. Mm-hmm. I was, If I- you don't come up... That's a problem. If I go to Apple podcasts and I'm looking for sports entertainment and your show doesn't come up, that's a problem. mm -hmm. Like search is a huge issue. It's not like, oh, I'm just going to go because you're on the radio. You're like, no, I'm on YouTube. I'm already looking for content.
1: You know, what's interesting you say about that is um, I was at a soccer tournament with my daughter and I'm in this park in Orange County in Irvine called the Great Park. And there are just hundreds, if not thousands of people there. You know, there's there's 25 fields, and each field has 22 players on it, and each field has hundreds of people wrapped around it with the parents and the coaches. And, and so there's thousands of people at a big Saturday afternoon at a soccer park in, in Orange County. And I'm walking around, and I'm looking at everybody, and I think to myself, every single person here is carrying a phone. Every one of them. Now, back in, you know, call it 20, 25 years ago, probably even a little bit longer, A lot of people walked around with a a device called a Walkman. Mm -hmm. You know, it was a radio, AM and FM. You put it on your arm, you go for a run, you put headphones in. It was an AM, FM radio. It was a transistor radio. Then the Walkman, ooh, this is cool, cassette tapes. I can put a cassette tape in a Walkman and I can walk around listening to music or talks or whatever I want to. Then it became a CD player, and you're like, oh, man, you got a CD player, Walkman? You know, oh, my God, dude, you're rich. You know, you got a CD player, Walkman. And so people had pieces of hardware. Nobody has a radio anymore. Nobody.
0: Wait, I asked you when I came in, and said, can you play the radio from, your, from, from the studio? Is there a radio in the studio that we, can, that we can play?
1: There is. I don't have a radio in my house I don't have a, a, a clock. Like, remember, you used to have alarm clocks that would come on, set the alarm, the radio would play. I don't have an alarm clock with a radio. I don't have a transistor radio. I don't have a Walkman. I don't have a, an old boom box. I cannot play AM or FM radio here today where we sit. Now, I can go on to a radio station's website I can go on to their app. I can go on to the TuneIn app and I can listen to radio stations around the country. I can go on to iHeart's app and I can listen to radio stations from all around the country, et cetera, et cetera. But I don't have a radio. So this gets back to Gary V, and this yeah. gets back to the NAB thing that I was talking about earlier, which is, look, um, I assume when I'm doing my, radio, my daily broadcast, I'm assuming that most people are watching because we're on video and audio. But the fact is, and this is one of the things Gary was talking about, most people probably listen and multitask even on YouTube. Therefore, YouTube becomes the radio station. Absolutely. YouTube becomes the radio transmitter. YouTube, and I'm using them as an example, but there are other platforms, but let's just stick with YouTube for a moment. YouTube is the place where people say, I can get that content there, and if I don't want to watch it, I just want to put my phone down and I want to listen to it, well, now I can multitask because it's the audio that I want it. Correct. You know? And
0: so um well, I mean we're going to put in the show notes a link to an article that I was reading recently and it was an article basically saying is YouTube a podcast platform and traditional podcasters fight over no it's audio you know audio's why we're podcasting but the smarter people like Joe Rogan have figured out who gives a shit We don't give a shit what like how you find us, whether you're watching the video, what matters is the quality of the content and that you found us to begin with. Yeah. I mean, how many times the compelling
1: storytelling? I mean, how many times have you seen a Joe Rogan podcast where you have no idea who the guest is? Correct. Or how many times have you tuned into a Tim Ferriss podcast and you just have zero idea who the guest is? And these are great storytellers and people who find interesting personalities. And if you trust them as somebody that you like and listen to, well, then you're going to trust in them that, hey, whoever they have on. That person is compelling and interesting and that's why I want to stick around and listen even if I don't know who that person is I'm probably bound to eventually learn and and then you know get to hear some interesting things that I, I might not know about um, that's one of the things I love about this this medium is the I don't feel the need anymore to necessarily get on the air every day and go, okay, let's talk about who the Padres are going to hire as their manager. I realize that a lot of people who tune in to me daily are still San Diego-based or Southern California-based sports fans. So they want some sports. But I'll tell you, man, I find myself recently, a young guy told me, he goes, I've seen every single one of your YouTube shows since you guys went off the radio. He goes, and I'll tell you right now, far and away, the most compelling thing you've talked about and the thing I want to hear more about is the fact that you're 49, (laughs) divorced now, four children, three daughters still at home, and you're now out in the world of dating and single life. Right. And I want to hear about that. Yeah, You know, 100%. (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, on radio, I think it's great content, but I'm not sure I want to do it on sports talk radio because people come with an expectation that it's going to be sports talk. But in the world of podcasting, In the world where you're trying to get as many views and and as many shares and as many likes, I mean, talk about the stuff that people want to hear about.
0: I mean, the last time we had you on the podcast, we talked about it specifically. And that's that the things for your whole career, when people would come up to you, they would always come up to you and talk about you talking about your son, you know, playing Little League, you talking about, you know, not being able to change a tire, like all these things that we all deal with as men but no one's talking about. And like, that's the compelling content, you know, that it doesn't have to always be sports. It doesn't have to always be sports driven statistics. I and agree. now
1: you don't have anyone telling you that you don't have to do. No, that. I, I, you know, I, um, if I could program a radio station or if I could program a network and that's really what we're about to do here, you know, that that's sort of the expansion of what we're doing. And we started here, Sean, with, with Let's keep our radio show and our radio brand alive. And the reason we wanted to keep it alive is because we still have sponsors that that are spending money with us. Yes. And we still have viewers and listeners that trust in those sponsors. And um, they're paying enough right now that I can pay for my guys to work and keep them incentivized. But we have to go out and get a lot more sponsors. But wait a second. What else can I do for you, Mr. Advertiser? How much more can I deliver for you? So much more. So much more. So now um, we have one podcast that we're producing daily. Again, it's a live broadcast and it turns into a podcast. But we're about to start adding content. We've built this studio. We have all this equipment. It sits here vacant for 22 of 24 hours a day. And I'm saying we need to add content. So as we build more programs, we will be able to say to our sponsors, look, The Scott and BR show got this many downloads, has this many viewers, has this many listeners, et cetera, et cetera. But we're also producing this podcast and this podcast and this podcast. So now you're not just getting- Or
0: you're producing a podcast for them. Well, okay. for a potential so, sponsor so, that yeah. wants to go digital that understands they need content specific to their industry here Here's right? a great
1: here's a great example. I said to a longtime sponsor of mine total T clinic Okay, this is a place. It's testosterone shots for guys. that are not feeling it anymore, right? Sure And I brag about them all the time So because I've, I've I will never endorse a product that I don't use and so I've been using this testosterone treatment and I'm telling you Dude, it's like a life changer. So, okay So I go and I say to these guys listen I can do more for you now for less money than ever before. And they said, okay, talk to me. I said, listen, <laughs> I've at the these podcasts, what happens is 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 you listen to Joe Rogan and the first seven or eight minutes of Joe's podcast is advertisements. Yeah. You know, some of whom are paying him and others of which these are his companies or things he's involved in. And he wants to promote them. If you listen to Adam Carolla's podcast, it's another great example. Mm -hmm. He's got a product he calls Mangria, uh, like Sangria. (laughs) He made it up. It's called Mangria. He's kind of known for the old school, you know, man show. And that's his, uh, audience. So he's created a product to sell them and he promotes his own product on his own podcast to his millions of people who listen. So, um, I said to the folks from the Total T Clinic, I said, listen guys, I can do more for you than ever before. On the radio, they would say, let's do a 60 second spot. Hey, this is Scott Kaplan and I'm here with Dr. John Alexander from the Total T Clinic. Doctor, why should everybody use Total T Clinic, right? And you have condensed amount of time. I said, look guys, 10 minutes, 10 minutes. I'm going to tell people at the beginning of a podcast recording, I'm going to say, hey, thanks to our sponsors and here's the beef of our, our, our content. But stick around at the end because for those of you that have questions or um, need more detailed explanations, or want to hear from the doctor himself, I'm going to spend 10 minutes with Dr. John after this podcast. And so now I'm saying to him, look, I'll give you the 10 minutes. You publish it on your website. I'll give you the 10-minute podcast. You tweet the podcast. I'm going to put it at the end of my podcast. We're going to take your content, and we're going to take the information you want disseminated, and we're going to find more ways to help you do that. Right. On radio, all we could do was talk about you on radio. Correct. Now we can talk about well, it you. Becomes, it's an advertisement.
0: Followers. It's a transaction. By doing what you do now, the sponsor becomes a partner where you care about their success. You care that Gary Cooper is on Twitter. Like you care about these things because if you can't tag them, how can you promote their business? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, you, you have, you, you are a perfect example. I mean, I became a total T patient. Because of you. I had heard you talking about it and I've had I've had my own struggles. And I went in and I I literally I texted you, I said, Is this is this legit? And yeah. of course you sent me there. That's the power of audio. That's the power of having trust with somebody that yes, you've become a friend, but even if not, I had heard you talk about it over all those years. So if I had some insecurities and figured, hey, I you know, I don't have the same sex drive that I used to have well, maybe I should go try this
1: Yeah, and I'm instead not,
0: of just Googling it.
1: Yeah, I'm not embarrassed to talk about that kind of stuff either. I mean, it's just, you know, th- these are real problems for guys. And that aren't talked are, about. And these are real solutions
0: for But guys. on podcasts, you can talk about it. Right, you and, know?
1: And, and to your point, I mean, I say to these guys from Total T Clinic, I'm like, look, you know, we're going to help you by telling people, follow them on Twitter, follow yep. them on Instagram. They say, yeah, but who really wants to follow us? I go, well, if you don't think people want to follow you, then you might as well not have the accounts. You know, but if you're going to have the accounts, you might as well use them to promote your business and what it is that you do. Correct. We help you with that. So again, if, if I I go, you go back, you you really brought it up well earlier and you you stated it brilliantly, which is the system was broken in radio, at least the way we were working in radio. The system was broken. We weren't selling tweets and Facebook messages and Instagram messages and we weren't selling podcasts. And every time I would walk into a sales manager's office, I'd say, look, you got to get people to buy spots on my podcast. They would tell me about something called CPM. Do you guys know what CPM yep, is? Yeah. Okay. So that means for every 1,000 downloads, it's worth, call it $20. Okay. So it takes 1,000 downloads just to make $20. And I would say to them, stop selling this bullshit. You go to the client, you say, look, and I'll just use an example. If his podcast has 5000 downloads, he's pushing it on the radio, he's getting people to go to the podcast, and then when people get to the podcast, it doesn't matter if it's 1000 or 5000 or 100000. These are your most engaged correct. people. So if you have 5000 people downloading this podcast and you could get 2% of them correct to be to to buy for you with a you, call to action, a compelling call to action. Then then it was it was worth it. And so I kept trying to say to sales stop Trying to sell based on numbers. Start trying to sell based on level of engagement. Yes. You know what I'm saying? 100%. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, for for us, we're just so excited to watch this digital transformation take place. And you know, as a as a listener, I want to thank you for your transparency. Mm-hmm. And I think thank that's you, what man. makes you so compelling is that you're willing to throw someone under the bus if they need to be thrown under the bus. <laughs> and you know, some of those radio executives need, needed to be thrown under the bus, but um, the partnership and relationship that we've had with your show with Linda with Billy Ray, Alex John Browner um, It's just been absolutely incredible. Yeah,
1: throwing an Allie rat into that thing. Oh, too, Allie so rat I and mean, Allison, man We just don't see uh, uh, she's
0: magic yeah. I, I don't know how she juggles all the things between sighted and between the show and <laughs> and me um, Just all, like all the other all no, million things that she does. Yeah. But um, I really hope that people they download the podcast they tune in um, check out streaming um, also just reach out to, to cap because uh, he will engage with anybody, go on to Sighted, uh, test it, play with it. I know Greg Rempy from Barbecue Central Show.
1: Which is so cool. I mean,
0: fucking guy has been podcasting for 12 years. Amazing. 12 years. He's been podcasting so long that he's had Gary Vee on three different times when he was doing wine library tv. I mean that's just absolutely incredible. Yeah. He does a live show every Tuesday but I got him in touch with you and I mean it's about it's about creating that content and giving people a reason to want to go in and have you know have a have a conversation,
1: right? Yeah, I mean if you're if you're in the case of, you know, like a like your story, for example, you know, like let's just say that you wanted to use cited to really gauge uh, and understand how your your customers feel about something, you know, it's like, let's just say, for instance, you say, should should we bring in the impossible burger? Right. As a barbecue restaurant,
0: should we bring in the impossible?
1: Burger? Right. You know, you're, you're a, a somebody who comes in and enjoys our restaurant. Would you like the impossible burger added to the menu? You know, and you might actually find out that, you know, people go, Hey, I know I'm, I'm totally opposed to this fake meat nonsense Mm -hmm. and I would never order it. So it's not worth your time. Or you might find on the flip side, you know what? Um, it's an option I'd like to have. And, uh, you know, great idea. Thanks for, for thinking of us. And allowing the customer the opportunity to opine and then help your business in some way, you know, is, is really a powerful tool. And so what's really interesting about this whole sided thing is, is the different directions it goes. And I talk about it from a radio standpoint. If you're a radio station and you want to monetize the social engagement that you're already creating, that's, I talk about it from that perspective if you're a a user and you want to have a lot more fun and you want to have finality to the conversation, you want to win awards and you want to bank points and you want to compete um, and you want to gain status. There's a whole reason for you to be there playing as well. But I think ultimately companies and businesses will, will really be able to use this platform to get into the mind of, of their customers or potential. customers. I mean,
0: I I think that's cited where you need to take it as, to the audio podcast production, because yeah. those are the people, I mean, there's an article we'll link in here about how much podcasters make, but it says 99% of the podcasters aren't making money. They're spending money to produce content mm-hmm. and only 1% are making money. But you have a unique background because of your experience, not just with cited but with the radio industry, going to sponsors, talking to sponsors, building that relationship. You have a, you're putting yourself in a unique position that this national broadcast, you're gonna be the keynote speaker.
1: <laughs> well,
0: what are you laughing about?
1: I, no, I I I You're gonna have a rug. What kind of rug is it gonna be? I need a rug like I like I think of Chris Robinson from the Black Crows. <laughs> I think of Neil Young, you know, I think of these kinds of, of musical superstars that have a big ass rug that when they walk out on stage they can be barefoot and this is my rug, my part of the stage, you know, this is where I'm gonna be jamming. Um you know, Sean, maybe you're right. You know, maybe um maybe a year from now. Uh, I will go back to the National Association of Broadcasters Convention. Maybe I'll be delivering the keynote speech, and I'll be saying to everybody, look, I sat right out here last year, and I heard what you were saying, that we're transitioning from the world of radio into the world of audio, and radio is nothing other than a piece of hardware, whereas audio is just something that gets delivered through multiple streams, however they may be. And you know, maybe the story a year from now will be, look, I had opportunities to go back into radio, and maybe the story will be, But I chose not to because I thought that we could make more money or because I thought we could uh, serve our advertising partners better. Or I thought we could service our audience better by not being on traditional radio. You're
0: not turning your back on radio. You're actually becoming somebody that's an incredible resource for radio personalities, for radio stations, for radio executives to say, well, how, how did you do it? Well, <laughs> yeah, what we did we, actually it's funny. You should ask go to our YouTube channel I literally explain it and Alex explained like because you guys are transparent about what's going on Yeah, these are the the mics, you know, we're having a little issue with the cameras and the light but you talk about that You know, it's the same Howard Stern. That's why Howard Stern's been so compelling I mean to even someone like me. I just finished his his new book. I come again to... Unbelievable. Yeah, I'm ready incredible in fact, if
1: you look up here on the bookshelves um, Howard Stern's first two books private parts and Miss America Two books that are the most important books for me. In fact, I'll, I'll the tell next
0: you, one. The next one. Yeah. It, it'll be even more important.
1: You, you want to hear something really quickly, and I'm sure we're probably getting ready to we're wrap fine. up. We're fine. But you know what? Uh, there's no. There's no one. To, the, we're fine. I understand. But, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to tell you something. I got. I I watched a speech that Howard Stern gave to his entire staff in 2013. So think about it. Um, he probably left terrestrial radio in about 2003, 4 five. I'm just. It's it's early 2000s, right? And um, and he goes over to XM to Sirius Satellite Radio, and look, Howard Stern's biggest star in in radio, you know. Um, But I be honest, I grew up on Stern, and Stern was my inspiration for getting into radio. I've never met him; he's one of the people that's on my list. He's a mentor. I can't believe he's an amazing silent mentor. Absolutely, and and I have so much in common with Howard that I had in common with him twenty five years ago when I first started listening. Um, Okay, so. To me, Howard Stern's the biggest star in radio and the biggest star in in audio broadcasting. Sure. And he's not really, but to me, he is. He is. Okay. So, I I mean, I I would say that Rush Limbaugh, believe it or not, I mean, you can talk, Mm. forget politics for a second, but just in terms of his career, how much money he makes, how long he's been at it, et cetera. I mean, Rush Limbaugh is kind of right there with him. But here's Stern. And I'm watching this speech. Somebody got this speech. Stern gets up in front of his entire staff. In 2013, he's been on satellite radio 10 years at this point. And he says, I'm tired of this bullshit. I am so tired of this nonsense. He's like, Explain to me why Eddie Vedder will go on Jimmy Kimmel and Eddie Vedder won't come on Howard Stern. Have we let the record companies know that when somebody shows up on our air, we sell tons of records for them? <laughs> Has, have we sent the record companies videos and audio of examples of our work? Because he's saying, there are some people that think I'm this or think I'm that. They don't want to come on the show. Have we sent them, he specifically said, have we sent them audio of how supportive I am of the gay and lesbian community? That's one of the things he was talking about. And he's saying, going forward, this is 2013, going forward, shit is going to change around here. And here's what's going to happen. We're going to start talking to the record companies about how much we sell their records. We're going to start talking to the artists and their managers about how many tickets we sell to their shows. We're going to start sending videos and audio clips of how supportive we may be of something or how funny we might be about something. Howard specifically said this, when I would say something on radio, people heard about it. (laughs) He goes now This is Howard Stern in 2013 Nobody hears a word we say He's pounding his fist Nobody knows we're even here Howard Stern Making $50 million a year Has this sort of ambition And passion and drive And cares this much when he can retire and go away Nobody knows Who we are Nobody knows we're here Everything's going to change That's 2013 Here we are 2019 Howard Stern is as big and as popular, and I'll use another word, and is as influential as he's ever been in his career. Yes. And it was only a few years ago that he was literally bawling out his entire staff that no one even knows we exist. To me, I heard that and I went, I will freaking go on Facebook every day and have something called a watch party. I didn't even know what that was. <laughs> I will go on Twitter every day because I know that we've got listeners and viewers on Twitter. I will go on on to uh, to YouTube every day and I'll produce new content every single day. I'll tweet it, I'll Facebook it, I'll LinkedIn it, I'll promote it in any way I can because how dare I yes. assume that people know how to find my content.
0: Correct. And I think... Nothing could be more powerful because I came to that realization running a restaurant in spring Valley that no one gave a shit about our restaurant. I had to be the one that was out there telling people, Hey, we're out here, we're doing this community event. Hey, we're, you know, we're involved with the chargers we're involved with. It's up to you. No one's going to fucking come kicking down your doors. Right, You
1: have to evangelize for your own brands. And that's why what you're doing and the me- is so And the
0: media wasn't even doing it. Like, the media is
1: still but, not doing that. No, what you're doing, so you're very complimentary of me, and I appreciate that, but here's the thing that you're doing that I appreciate. Um, you have to be your own brand, okay? Cali Comfort is your restaurant. Digital Hospitality is your, the name of your media division, okay? But the brand itself is Gary Vee, the brand is Dave Meltzer. The brand is Tony Robbins. The brand is my friend Jeff Fenster, who owns these companies, Everbowl, um, you know, these these restaurants for superfood. He learned, and and as these guys have learned, you, the individual personality, are the brand. And then that's how people come to you. So if they like you, Sean, and they like listening to your podcast, they're gonna go, oh, that's the same guy. He owns Cali Comfort. You know what? He's got a great barbecue place. We have to build our individual brands. And that's why for a guy like yourself, you could very easily be pulling pork right now. Yes. Okay. But instead you're producing content and that content will drive people ultimately to your brand, which will drive people to your restaurant, or it will have them ordering on Grubhub or whatever the case may be. It's
0: created relationships. I mean, it's forced me to learn things that I never thought I would have to learn. And by doing that, that's what the thing I love about podcasting, why we say it's the North Star of our marketing efforts, which is something that Gary V talks about, is it forces you to live in a publishing world where you have to adapt. You have to stay curious. You have to figure out, oh, how do we, you know, how do we promote this on Twitter? How do we promote this on Instagram? You know, should we go live? How do we do? You know, how are we are we doing show notes? Is that going to be on the website? Is that going to be optimized for search engine optimization? All those things matter mm-hmm. because ultimately,
1: how are people going to find you? Right. If you're not on the internet, they're not going to find you. No. That's right. And, and and it's just one of these things that, you know, again, <laughs> you'd think that Gary V is freaking the end all be all of, of business, but he, he was so ahead of the game and for him to again, pound home the point that many of us who are buying into it, uh, you know, believe in, which is you just have to keep producing and yes. you got to keep pushing content and you got to keep on uh, communicating to the audience and you got to keep building the audience. And, and in many cases, um, Gary does it. I know I certainly try and do it and not necessarily always intentionally, but inspire people with your actions, you know? And, um, and so, you know, I've bought in on this stuff too. I mean, I think we are all our own media companies nowadays.
0: Yes. Well, uh, Scott, I can't thank you enough. I mean, it's, it's truly an honor uh, to call you a friend. It's, fucking incredible to see what you and your team are doing and like I said I can't wait for you to start getting paid to go um, talk about this all over the world because <laughs> well, <you know>, <laughs> guess what I'm going to reference back
1: I'm going to reference back this fucking podcast yeah. um, you know what's so funny just real quick is, is you say you know um, <laughs> you know it's so interesting to watch what you're doing and, and you know you're saying that about us but when you're in it you know you don't really know no It feels like failure. I mean, but
0: that's the thing. It's stop thinking and start failing. Mm -hmm. Like, that's the only way. I mean, we weren't a fucking barbecue restaurant when we started. We were a sports bar. I wanted to open a sports bar. And then we became a barbecue restaurant. And then we became an event company. And then we started tailgating. And then now we're a media company. You have to be willing to pivot. Mm -hmm. If you don't, what's going to happen?
1: There won't be any opportunities. No. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, you just got to be in constant motion, yeah. you know, one foot in front of the other. It's, it's the greatest lesson I've learned, um, you know, from my, uh, my, the, the one Ironman race that I actually did. I, I, I did one and I was retired right thereafter. <laughs> I did not need to swim and bike and run that far ever again. And, but I learned one thing, which was, you know, failure is not an option. You know, there was a starting line and there was a finish line and there was an amount of time that it took to get from one to the other. And as long as you came in under 17 hours and you finished, that was, that was success for me. And, um, putting one foot in front of the other, when things are going well, I might have run a little bit harder when things weren't going so well, I may have been walking, but it didn't matter. It was one foot in front of the other inch by inch. And, um, and that's, you know, that, that's just the only, it's just the way I'm wired. I just can't stop. Can you share the, uh, David Wells story that you
0: share, um, with our listeners
1: I'd be happy to because if I can always pay this forward I love to do it so uh, David Wells, most people will probably know this, at least those that are local. David Wells was a great pitcher. Uh, he was from San Diego. He went right into professional baseball out of high school and his claim to fame is he pitched a perfect game for the New York Yankees. By the way, when he pitched that perfect game he was shit-faced drunk hung over from the night before and he was wearing a hat that he had bought from a museum uh, or a collector or whatever that was Babe Ruth's baseball cap. He was actually wearing Babe Ruth's baseball cap when he went hung over and pitched a perfect game for the New York Yankees. Pitching a perfect game in major league baseball is incredible pitching a perfect game for the new york yankees makes you i mean stand up and and have chills right so i said to david wells one day on the radio i said boomer explain to me what it is like to give up a big home run and then have to go back and pitch to the next guy you know you got to get your head together and you've got 30 seconds to do it and he said no fear of failure and I said, well hold on stop what does that mean what do you mean no fear what what and he goes dude i gave up a home run the next guy steps into the box. Now I'm planning to strike his ass out. No fear of failure. I failed. He hit a home run. But I'm not scared now where I'm going to just serve up another one. No fear of failure. And I hear this, and I swear to you. I mean, it's, it's, it's like resonating with me. And I'm going, God damn it, man. Where was this when I needed it when I was like 21 years old and I was playing football in college and I was a kicker and if I missed a field goal, I became a complete head case. Why did I not have this no fear of failure attitude? So I'm telling this story on the radio and there's a guy driving down the road. This is a completely true story. Guy's driving down the road and he hears this story. Not David Wells tell it. He hears me tell it years later. He's driving down the road and he works for a pest control company, this guy. And he, he, he listens to this story and he decides for himself on this exact moment, I'm quitting my job and I'm starting my own pest control company. I can do it better. His name is Daniel Abood. You can follow him on, on Facebook. This guy, every Christmas comes to me, wherever I'm broadcasting from, to give me a hug, to thank me for telling him a story. It wasn't my story. It was David Wells' story. I just told it. And he comes to me to give me a hug and thank me. Hey, I'm in business my second year. We're doing great. We're adding more trucks. We're adding more clients. No fear of failure. This guy heard it on the radio. He heard a story about a guy who told a story to another guy, and it resonated with him. And that notion of no fear of failure is is now it's my motto. You know, when when I get down, when when things aren't going perfectly well, when when the brain has the the uh, the, the brain can. Powerfully bring you down You know if you let it Just if you let it spiral down In negativity You got to snap out of it Like right away And you should have a key phrase You know I got this um, No fear of failure Whatever your key phrase is You know when your brain Is starting to take you down Boom snap out of it And say your phrase And and, and get back to positivity And that no fear of failure um, I just live by it now
0: Well I, I absolutely love that story It's all. It always touches me Even now I got goosebumps with you telling it and um can't wait to see what you do next um everyone will put uh, uh, the links for your all the cool shit you're doing man all the cool stuff um please interact with him on sighted uh tweet at him at scott Kaplan. and um until next week no fear of failure Please be sure to follow at Scott Kaplan on all the social media handles. Go to scottandbr.com. It's their link tree, which will send them to all of the platforms that they stream on. They epitomize what digital hospitality is. Alex Padilla, John Browner, Scott Kaplan, Billy Ray, Allison, Linda, the entire team. They are doing things that are cutting edge and radio personalities are gonna be reaching out to them for answers. This week's episode is brought to you by sided.co. This is Scott Kaplan's new tech platform where you can engage in a debate that's not on Twitter, that's not on Facebook. This is a way to get rewarded for all the comments and all the arguments that you have online. Go to sided.co, generate content, get rewarded, get hooked up, cited.co. If you're interested in sponsoring or partnering with the show to create your own video content, your own audio content, your own blog, your own mobile first website, please reach out to us, Podcast at Media. We'd love to help your brand grow. Thanks for listening and learning with Digital Hospitality. Be sure to tune in next week for our very special episode on location from the spring valley tailgate and barbecue festival 10 years we've been putting on this event with Derek Marceau my former co-host of behind the smoke myself we sit down on the main stage as the teams are setting up before the cooks meeting to talk about what it takes to put on a community event to get other partners to buy in to do something that's bigger than yourselves it's going to be an awesome episode can't wait to share it with you